every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am your host, Mike Falkenstein, and my regular co-host, Ken Watmore is not with us. I have instead a special guest, Hans Finzel, who I've known for a number of years, is here in the lo- local Denver area with me. And Hans, it's great to have you on our podcast. Thanks, Mike. Good to be with you today. Yeah. I I think you and I have probably known each other, again, five or six years, and it's been fun to see you go from organization president to, I think, what you'd call your encore. Yes. And uh, I know you've done some podcasting as well and whatnot. So uh, before we begin, we've got some, uh, I think, a really neat topic to talk about. Why don't you give folks the kind of the two or three minute kind of who is Hans Finzel? <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's been great to know you. And we live very close to each other here in we, Highlands Ranch. Yeah, we do. <laughs> And uh, we both have a heart for what God's doing all over the world. For uh, My wife and I were missionaries uh, with a ministry called World Venture. Mm. And I uh, was the CEO and president for 20 years. That's when you and I first met, mm-hmm. which is a ministry that does uh, really great work, evangelism, church planning, and leadership development in like 65 countries all over the world. Wow. So that was a great opportunity to see the world and see what God's doing in all, all these places over, well, 10 years as missionaries and 20 years running the organization. So most of my career was with World Venture. Okay. I did retire early from that leadership position because I have a real passion for leadership. And today my I pour myself into especially young leaders, but leaders of all ages, mentoring leaders, training leaders. I write books on leadership. I'm a leadership coach. Uh, my podcast is The Leadership Answer Man, mm. and my uh, website is hansfinzel.com, where you can find all things leadership. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Married with four children and uh, six grandchildren, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really awesome. So, Hans, as you know, we normally have... Uh, what we call our, our made for missions, three questions that we like to ask our our guests. And when I approached you about this, you said, hey, I've got something else on my heart. Can I share, you know, some other things? And I know you've just said even you've have this talk that you call mega shifts and missions today. And I'm actually really excited to, you know, to talk about some of these things, because obviously for for those who are listening, even for myself to know, based on your your many years of experience what's working in missions today and what's not uh, i think it should be a good a good conversation so the first question i have for you is um you know after spending 30 years you just mentioned your whole career mainly was through world venture after spending these 30 years in missions you know um, you know from when you from when you first started until today what what's changed about Uh missions work everything yeah (laughs) what has not changed 
Well, there are a few things that haven't changed. Let me start with that. The word, okay. the word of God hasn't changed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the foundation hasn't changed. the The message hasn't changed. Now, I always like to say the method we use to proclaim that message has changed dramatically. But I always like to remind people what hasn't changed. You know, I'm a huge fan and believer in the scriptures as the uh, the, in, the inerrancy of the word. Mm-hmm. That's our foundation mm-hmm. of the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of that has changed. The church, you know, we are planting churches. We are leading people to Christ. All that's the same. But when it comes to methodologies and delivery systems and how we fulfill the Great Commission, everything has changed. All right. So are you talking about just very simple things or? From the simple to the yeah. complex. Let me okay. give you, I actually have yeah. what I call my five mega shifts okay, great. in missions. And great. I've been doing a lot of speaking at various ministries and organizations because, in fact, I was just with Child Evangelism Fellowship. And um, interesting, you know, everybody knows CEF, Child yes, Evangelism. And, and they are actually growing a lot faster internationally than they are here in the U.S., Fantastic ministry, but they brought me in to speak to their entire leadership team uh, for a week about how to bring about change because they too are wrestling with changing from old methodology to new methodology. You just think about re- reaching children today, right? Very different than reaching oh, children right. 25 years ago. All oh, right. Uh, just technology alone opens mm-hmm. up great new doors. So anyway, I like to use uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11 as my foundation. Okay. Uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11 is the story when Jesus called his first followers, the fishermen. Okay. And we, we won't take time to go through the whole story, but you know, he, uh, they were fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. The next morning, Jesus borrowed their boat because there were so many people and he was talking to everybody on the shore. And, and when they finished, he said, now let's go out and fish. And the fishermen, of course, they said, hey, you know what? We fished all night and didn't catch anything. It's, all right. It, there ain't no fish yeah, out we're there. We're probably done. Yeah, right? we're done. <laughs> and we already cleaned the equipment. We're ready to go have breakfast, please. But because you're the master, we will obey. That's what I call reluctant obedience. How many times do we get blessed because of reluctant obedience? Oh, that's right. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, I don't feel like doing this. I'm going to talk to that person or I'm going to do that act of obedience. Well, the story goes, they, there were so many fish that their boats began to sink. Yeah, right. So they, came, I, to, yeah. they came to the shore and he said, Here, here's the thing. I love this phrase, one of the most important statements in all the Bible. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Mm. You know, you guys have been fishing for fish, but I'm going to, you're going to move from career to a significance, you know, from just making money and catching fish to the most significant enterprise on planet Earth, the Great Commission. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mm. And it says they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Wow. That's right. I call that the beginning of the long chain of obedience. And throughout the centuries, how many people have pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him? You and I are here right now because of all the people in the past. That's right. That did that act mm-hmm. of obedience, starting with those men on that beach that day. Yeah, that's right. So I like to say we're still fishing for men and women and boys and girls. But man, has the fishing changed. Yeah, it really has. Okay, and that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Okay. Think about it. The fish have changed, you know, the nature of people uh, because of the modern world in which we live. The lake has changed. The environment, the water, the air, uh, the tackle, 
how you catch fish. Mm-hmm. So we're still we're still fishing for men and women and boys and girls, but man, is the fishing changed. So let me just run real quickly through my five mega shifts. The first thing that's really changed in missions is the thinking. We have to change our thinking. Uh, I had a board member who used to say, Hans, we shouldn't be thinking outside the box. We need brand new boxes when we think about Mm. missions, methodology, how we do what we do. Because the world of 2016, think about 20 years ago. What would that have been? No, 2006. Yeah, okay, 1996. Yeah. That was 20 years ago, 1996. That's right. And then 20 years back, 1976. Mm Mm-hmm. The the world has changed, and the things that worked really well back then don't work today. That's right. Like cassette players. That's right. <laughs> like telephones. Yeah, or VCRs. Like, or, like yeah. tracks, like mm-hmm. um, even books and, and, and all these kind of things. So our past success can be our greatest roadblock to future effectiveness because we— what worked in the past doesn't work today. Mm-hmm. But we get like, like the IBM Selectric typewriter. Remember those? I do. (laughs) My wife was an absolute whiz on the IBM Selectric, but they're obsolete. In fact, I still have one in my basement. Uh, I've had this collection of old technology. It might be worth something now. If you plug it in, it works. Okay. But it's obsolete. And I find a lot of ministries are still doing things because they used to work, Mm. but they're not providing results anymore. My greatest fear is not that we would be inefficient in missions, but that we would be irrelevant. And sometimes we can be very efficient at doing things that are no song, no longer relevant. And uh, let me just give you an example in churches, uh, because churches, I, I love the church, and I believe missions is actually the task of the local church. Mm. Who did Jesus give the Great Commission to? That's right. I think he gave it to the church. Mm -hmm. And so World Venture, our mission, we felt that we were servants of the local church in America, helping them do missions all over the world. But missions, for example, in a church today, uh, here's a quote that I love. Missions is not the domain of a particular group or committee or those with a special calling, but rather every program, function, and activity of the church is aligned with God's mission. You know, if you ask a local church, do you guys do mission? Oh, yeah, we have a missions committee. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, the mission should permeate every program and every aspect of the church. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of the reason I started this Made for Missions ministry is that very same thing. You don't You don't see a lot of that in churches today. Maybe. No, and you need to. I mean, yeah. uh, it's relegated to the missions committee, and I find a lot of churches have missions committees that are totally outdated. Mm-hmm. They don't really understand, and, and I hope they will listen to you this podcast yeah, so right. they can learn the news. So the thinking needs to change. The second thing is the target. Maybe target's not the best politically correct word, mm-hmm. but it's true. The target of the people we're trying to reach has changed dramatically. Michael, where are most of the people on planet earth well north america we know no asia really asia that's right Mm -hmm. if you look at the distribution of all the peoples of the world over half of all the peoples of the world are asia pacific india china Mm -hmm. you know india china alone you know how i mean that's what almost three three billion almost three billion (laughs) yeah Yeah. almost half the world but if you add asia pacific to it so so where the people are 
number one, uh, has changed in terms of missions, where mm-hmm. we need to send missionaries, not only geographically, but uh, thinking of the mega cities of the world. When missions was going on 50, 60 years ago, you know, most missionaries, a lot of them went out to the bush, into the tribes, into the hinterlands, yes. trying to reach the unreached. Mm-hmm. You know where they are today? They're in the mega cities of the world. That's right. And for the first time in history, through the urbanization of the world, uh, we now have more people living in great cities than we do out in the non-city part, you know, yeah, right. out in the countryside yeah, or in the areas. little rural, rural areas and, you know, the large mega cities. So we, we really need to target the great cities of the world. So the, the third T, these all begin with T. Oh, great. <laughs> I like alliteration. So we're, we're, our thinking needs to change our target. And, boy, we could drill down and spend a whole show on each one of these. Right? Oh, right, right. But we're just going to kind of coast along. Uh, the tools have changed dramatically. Yes. We are living in the, th- the third great revolution of communication. The first were the Roman roads, which happened during the time of Christ in the New Testament when roads you know, our children could never imagine a world without roads, right? That's right. Or we couldn't. We've yeah. always had roads. We have. Uh, but, can you know, there was a time when there were no roads, and people lived their whole lives in one spot. Well, the Roman roads created an opportunity to take the gospel. It was providential mm. that the roads came at the time when Jesus said, I want you to take my message to the earth. The second great revolution in communication, of course, the printing press. That's right. Uh, Gutenberg, the That's great right. German, mm-hmm. that totally transformed how we get the word out. And, of course, the third great revolution of communication in which we live today is technology. That's right. The Internet. The, yeah, the uh, Internet. And, it, it, you know, I like to say the Internet's like money. It can do terrible evil, but it can also be used for wonderful good. That's right. Uh, in fact, sometime we could do a whole show just on how uh, technology and the Internet is changing missions. Mm-hmm. But I have a good friend who is Chinese, and he's developed the Bible app for China. And uh, it's the number one app in China and for downloading anything spiritual. Wow. They've had over 8 million downloads. Wow. And it's exciting. That is very exciting. And it's just one example of how technology is changing the way uh, we reach people. One of my favorite examples is the Jesus film. You're familiar with the Jesus film? Oh, sure, film? sure, yeah. sure. You know, the Jesus film uh, was done, uh, created by Paul Eshelman, who I know he's a good friend, probably 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It is the single greatest piece, uh, instrument, tool, yes. that has shared the gospel and seen more people come to Christ than anything mankind has ever developed to share the gospel, the Jesus film. Oh, that's right. It's amazing. That's right. In fact, I just was in a conference recently, and... They're talking about, you know, raising money for these uh, little two motorcycles, and they've got a backpack yeah. that has the screen, uh, the little projector, and they go to these places where, you know, the gospel's never been heard. I mean, yeah. you can just take it almost anywhere. Yeah. It's a very effective tool. It's amazing. Yeah. And, the, and the, there's a free app, the Jesus Film app, Yes, where you can download it, and there's a map in there for every country, every language, and you can click on that country. And like if you're in a taxi in Pakistan and you want to share a little bit of the Jesus film in the taxi driver's language, mm-hmm. they're all there it's on there. this app. It's crazy. That's really cool. Okay, the fourth mega shift, thinking, target, tools, and uh, technique. I'm going to finish this list in the first half of the show. so we can... Okay, you're fine. Okay, we good? 
the yeah. technique has changed. Uh, yes, it and, has. And I and one of the biggest changes is we're moving from sending professional Christians to Christian professionals. Think about ah, that. Okay. Uh, we used to send as missionaries what I call professional Christians. Uh, you know, they went to Bible school, they went to seminary, yes. they got their diplomas and their degrees and the clergy idea. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. But today, what's the greatest need of missions? Not Christian professionals, but ministering professionals, All right. doctors, uh, business people. And this business is mission, sir. Business is mission. Yeah. And and engineers and and graphic artists and and especially Mike cuz you know some of the greatest places in the world that we need to reach are closed to traditional missionary work. Yeah, that's right. And they're closed to professional Christians, the reverend so and so. Oh right. In fact, we ran into this problem in World Venture in a lot of countries where we sent our people the government when you get permission to get a visa, they want to know where to go to college. Where'd you go to graduate school? When they found out you were a seminary graduate, oh. forget about uh, it. Oh, that was it. Yeah. All right. So that's so today we well really to me going back to tent making into the days of the New Testament, where there wasn't such a big emphasis on going to seminary, going to Bible college in order to be a missionary, in order to take the gospel around the world. And so uh, that's what I say, the technique. Mm. We've gone from professional ministers to ministering professionals. And finally, number five, the team has changed, meaning it's no longer from the West to the rest. That's right. But it's from anywhere to everywhere. That's right. Uh, I was in Albania not long ago, and Albania, you know, for years was, during the days of communism, was considered the most communistic, atheistic country in Europe. They had obliterated all uh, vestiges of the church. But today communism is dead and the church is thriving in Albania and they're sending missionaries out to other countries. Wow. So missionary work is no longer from the West to the rest, but from anywhere to everywhere. And the greatest new developments in the team of who's taking the gospel all over the world are nationals. Yeah, that's right. Who yeah. can reach India the best Indians. That's right. Who can reach Kenyans the that's best? That's right. And Kenyans. That's right. In fact, my whole, with my career being, you know, ministering in China, we're seeing that exact same thing. Uh, you know, turning more and more of the ministry over to the Chinese. And, uh, boy, they just do a, a far more effective job. They're natives. And, yeah, that's right. You know, we're right. settlers, but they're natives. That's right. <laughs> that's where they're from. And, again, that number five point could be on a whole nother show. But, you know, the... Yeah, I guess the thing that for for me as a Westerner that I'm talking to a lot of other Western missionaries or people that are interested in missions is, you know, our role is changing quite a bit, right? And so we have to absolutely we have to we have to prepare for that and 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 accept that. And so let's talk about that after the break because yeah. I, I really would like to touch on that. Yeah, that that's very good. So uh, that is a good time for us to just take a little break. Hans, thanks so much for being here, and thank you all for listening. I hope this is uh, content that is valuable to you and we're so thankful to have a chance to maybe in just a little way to mobilize you towards the great commission so uh, we'll be right back after this short break hi i'm tom moeller there may be many of you who are confused about china and the most effective ways of christian engagement mike falkenstein has written this book for you there is much confusion and many questions persist about china does persecution exist can christians in china worship freely 
is it still necessary to smuggle Bibles? Being outside of China, how can I most effectively pray for and engage in God's work in China? Are China's unregistered churches able to worship freely? Many people are confused by these questions and issues. China is like a huge puzzle with many pieces and moving parts. It's hard to identify all that's happening today in China. In his book, The Chinese Puzzle, Mike gives you the other pieces for a much clearer picture of China and her church. To get your copy today, contact Mike at mike at chinaresourcecenter.org for pricing and shipping options. Contact Mike today. Well, Hans, uh, before the break, you wanted to talk a little bit about, you'd mentioned uh, talking a little bit about the changing role of um, Western missionaries, and that kind of goes along with our uh, the second question that I had for you, which is, uh, as you look at missions organizations today, what concerns you, what's working, what's failing? I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Uh, my wife and I talk a lot about TMOs, and uh, the demise of TMOs is, uh, what is a TMO? A traditional missionary organization. Mm. And I think they're in trouble. If yeah, they, they are in trouble. If they don't change, they're mm-hmm. declining in numbers, and uh, the reason they're declining in numbers is because of this very fact that they're not changing fast enough. Okay, so so you're, so Hans, what should they change? Right. Well, you you touched on one of the big issues and i think we need to go to a real servant posture internationally as we work alongside nationals in india and china mm. and kenya and you name it oh, right. uh, instead America, of you know yeah. westerners especially we americans we love to dominate mm, <laughs> we love control to, maybe yes yeah. <laughs> and throw money you know and mm. and expertise you know let us come in and fix your problem i have seen that so many times and it's it's been a turnoff, but it's worse than ever. And today, I think we need to take a servant posture alongside, shoulder to shoulder, with mm. the Chinese or with the yeah, Kenyans Brazilians. Or, yeah. And how can we serve you? And you know what? We're not going to keep pumping money into your mm. country because it's actually not healthy. It creates dependence. Instead, how can we serve you as a servant spirit, a servant, you know, the, the kind of servant attitude that Jesus actually had. Oh, right. So I think that's one big shift that happens to happen. We're no longer the great global experts because you know what, Michael, I think you know this, the yeah. church is the strongest in the Southern hemisphere and in the Eastern hemisphere. That's right. Where on the wor- in the planet is the church the weakest? By the Western world. Maybe. That's right. Yeah. Europe yeah. and America. Yeah, that's and right. And sadly, we in America are following the demise of the church that we've seen in Europe. You know, Europe's wow. like 25 years ahead of us uh-huh. in the secularization. So maybe of, they show us what we're yeah. potentially headed towards, right? They are. Oh, my god! Because gosh. I was just with uh, OMF friends here yes. recently in the OMF UK, and that's where Hudson Taylor's from. <laughs> yes. And he's talking about the, the – I mean, they, they can't recruit people to go to Asia with OMF because there are just so few Christians in – England, who are interested in doing it. Exactly. You know, because there are a lot fewer Christians as part of it, right? Yeah. So So, uh, we need to take a servant posture because we don't have all the answers. Yeah, that's Uh, right. Secondly, I think you touched on another big change, and that is uh, they're in our own backyard. I mean, that's right. I have good friends that live in England, and, and, you know, we know in England and Europe, uh, the Middle East and Mm. Africa is moving to Europe. 
And so Europe has become a huge new mission field mm. uh, for all the Africans that have moved there, the uh, the Middle Easterners. So I think that's a big thing. Let me let me tell you another thing that I think missions yes, needs please. to change today. We used to send out a lot of evangelists and church planters. That's right. You know, you go to mm-hmm. seminary. And I went to Dallas Seminary, and, and I was trained to be a pastor and to preach. And then you go overseas, and you lead people to Christ, and you plant churches. That's not the need today. The number one need today is leadership training. Mm. Developing the national right. leadership. Because guess what? I like to, on a positive note, you know, people ask me, well, how, Hans, what's your long view of how missions has uh, succeeded in America over the last 50 years. I'd say we've greatly succeeded. I went to the Lausanne Congress, uh, which was in Cape Town in 2010. Oh, right. That's been six years ago. That's hard to believe in that. But it was the biggest uh, global gathering of Christians from 4,500 Christians from all over the world, from 198 nations. Wow. A third were women. Only 400 Americans were there. Okay. And we worshiped in uh, various languages, and Mm. I felt, Lord, this has got to be the closest thing to heaven Mm. that I've ever experienced. But you know what? The thing I saw there was the power of the success of missions. Uh, And all these believers from 198 nations, from great church movements in these countries that for decades we sent missionaries to, and I like to say, hey, it worked. That's right. That's the evidence, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so now what they need from us is not more evangelism and church planning. They need us to help teach the Bible. And that's one of your passions in yeah, China. That's right. Oh yeah. That's what they need. Oh my gosh. They need. They don't need you to go over there and evangelize. They need you to help them understand the Bible, mm. and theology, and good solid doctrine, and leadership development, and leadership training. Mm, that's really great. So we change, like what we deliver to them, and the kind of people we send over there. Right. So in terms of this, what is working and what's failing. Uh, what's failing is the organizations that are trying to do this the way they were doing it 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And what's working is those that are coming alongside and serving, yeah, right? and, and providing really what they need. Yeah, and another thing that's failing, I have a lot of mission buddies, and they kind of are bemoaning the fact that it's getting harder and harder to recruit Americans to go be missionaries in other countries. And so my answer is maybe we shouldn't be doing that so much anymore. Oh, right. Uh, maybe we need to put our emphasis on uh, recruiting nationals to be missionaries. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like uh, I'm involved in China, of course, quite a bit. And That's right. Other countries. And for the price tag of one couple, uh, one American couple that you're going to send overseas to, my daughter's a missionary. She's in South Africa with her husband. Now, they're with YWAM, and they, they, live, okay. on, they live on the cheap. Oh right, they're kind of yeah. <laughs> Maybe thirty thousand a year for okay. everything. That's that's personal and ministry. But okay, the average missionary couple nowadays costs sixty to eighty thousand dollars. Oh a yeah, year. not surprised. You know how many missionaries in, oh. in Brazil or in you name it? Uh, oh, in China or China, yeah. Cote d'Ivoire, India. India. You could oh get for that price tag. I mean, hundreds. I, would, I was going to say I'd have to guess, but it probably would be hundreds. Yes. I mean, just knowing what it uh, what it costs to to live there, and uh, yeah, it's not uh, yeah, you definitely could. So my conclusion is, let's change our thinking about strategy. The world still needs America's churches' help, 
but the kind of help has changed dramatically. Okay, great. Uh, so you've already sort of answered, I think, part of the third question I was interested in asking you in this mega shifts and missions today. But I would be curious to know if there's anyone who's listening today who 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 may be interested, maybe feeling called to overseas missions, what suggestions would you have for them in terms of kind of next steps or, yeah, what suggestions would you have for them? I do think that training is important uh, and a mm. good education, a college education. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christian college, although I, I'm a big fan of Christian colleges and I'm on the board of Columbia International University and I'll okay. put in a plug for CIU. Yeah, CIU and, good things. And, yeah. is a great college where you can learn great skills in the Bible and and some uh, tent-making skills, but half of our graduates go overseas every year. So I think it's good to go to a school that's going to help prepare you. Okay. And, and to get a bachelor's degree, I think, is important. Also, there's some ministries. I happen to be a big fan of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And one thing I like about them is they train their own people. It's the Discipleship Training School. Okay. Are you familiar with that? Yes. That's the YWAM's attitude is, you know, you come and we'll train you. Okay. And there's a lot of missions, even like my mission, World Venture, where we don't do a lot of training. We just assume you come already trained. Okay. So however you get it, I, I think you need to get some good education and training before you go overseas. Definitely. I've seen too many young people go overseas that really didn't have any skills or experience. Okay. And they wasted a lot of God's money. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, with World Venture, was there some training? Oh, yeah. You yeah. guys did. And I'm we sure would, there probably was. And we wouldn't let people go overseas and, you know, uh, say you're a church planter or a pastor. If you haven't had experience, you're not going to go cut your teeth in a foreign culture because it's a lot harder there anyway. Yes, that's right. And so we would make sure people had good ex, uh, experience. Or if you're going to be a teacher or a trainer, which I just said we need a lot of. Yes. If you haven't had experience in your home country teaching and training, what makes you think you could mm. be effective in another country? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's another long uh, topic potentially, but uh, sort of what I've said for, you know, the last 20 some episodes of the podcast that certainly if you're and that's with any any great commission work if you're not doing it at home uh, there's nothing magical about a plane ticket right that makes you oh, effective all of a sudden yeah but people yeah. think there is yeah that's right or they have marriage problems and they think if you know if we move to london our marriage <laughs> problems will go away all right we've seen this oh right you know people who just think oh i just need a change of geography and and our but it doesn't it makes it worse yeah that's right there's just the added cultural pressures oh and my the, goodness yeah yeah so real quick what about language trading so i know like for 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 china my experience was through the navigators when we started Boy, the first two years you go, and that's really all you're doing is full-time language study. Are you a fan of getting any – so if you've got a college student that's listening, take those Chinese classes in advance at your university through foreign language department. Uh, what do you think about – I absolutely am a huge believer in language learning. Yes. We didn't really touch on another big trend in missions that's going on, and that's the short-term uh, trend. Oh, yes. Because Which, again, could be a whole other show, but – Certainly, yeah, because so, yeah. back, uh, I would say the builders uh, went for their whole lives. The boomers went for about 20, 25 years. And then the Gen X went for 10 years. And then the millennials, mm -hmm. long term is five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like 
you know, my my daughter, <laughs> bless her heart, you know, she's a millennial. She's 28. And, yeah, we made a long-term commitment to South Africa. Oh, okay. Five years. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Because probably just after five years, you're just kind of getting yeah, and adjusted and, to everything. And, and then it does take a couple of years to learn the language. And you could probably just start being so effective in ministry after if five years. Yeah, those of you who are listening, if you're thinking of moving to another country, I would plead with you to yes, at least make a 10-year commitment. Yeah, me too. And yeah. uh, and that's that's what my wife and I did. We spent 10 years overseas. And, and yes, you have to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And the more you can learn before you go, the better. Yeah, that's right. It really helps. Because so. the language is the door into their hearts. That's right. That's but you exactly can't right. really get through that door through translators. Yeah, that's really true. Well, Hans, of course, we could talk a lot more about all of these topics. Hopefully, since we are so close, we'd love to have you back from time to time. I'll do it. And uh, we'd love to have you back. Um, before we let you go, uh, again, just give everyone a kind of how they can get in touch with you whatever you want, website or Twitter handle or whatever, especially as it relates to what you're doing with, uh, yeah, leadership. Yeah, my pot, uh, my uh, website is hansenzel.com. That's really the one-stop shop for okay. all my books, my podcasts. Uh, my podcast is called The Leadership Answer Man. It's on iTunes. Okay, But if great. you just look for Hans Finzel on iTunes, you can find my podcast. It's H-A-N-S-F-I-N-Z-E-L, but okay. hansfinzel.com. Okay, great. And I would encourage everyone to go to his website and look what he's doing. I know I've uh, uh, been getting your email newsletter, and that's been a great resource as well. And thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll look forward to having you on the next episode of the Made Permissions podcast.